Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. The truth and the truth will set you free. So the truth that we know is what causes us to walk and live in freedom, and the lies which we believe, or the truth that we don't know, is what causes us to live in bondage then or in defeat. And so, you know, often it kind of the legalistic approach can or religious approach can be I see an area of my life which isn't working the way it should. And so what do we do? We try and fix it. We like, what do I need to do? And we kind of look at something practical. For example, maybe your default would be, I need to fast. Or I need to do something. Sacrifice something, give more money, or something like that, to try and get out of the the position that we're in. But, the truth is, what Jesus said, that sets us free. Knowing truth. So it's something, it's a knowledge problem. The problem in our lives. Everything can come back down to a a knowledge problem. Now, I know like uh, the economy is not a knowledge problem for you per se or for me specifically. So it's like what's happening in the economy, we're affected by it. What's happening in lockdown and things like that affected us without us needing a knowledge problem or or, 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 uh, uh, lacking a knowledge problem, right? So we've got to realize that it's not necessarily uh, going to change. Knowledge isn't going to change the situation, but it changes you in the situation and it helps you overcome the situation. Amen? So I think it's really important to, to see that and uh, 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 just accept the fact that, you know, maybe, for example, if I'm not seeing healing in my life, it's because I lack knowledge. It's not because I'm not doing something or I am doing something. It's maybe I just don't understand everything there is to know about healing. I mean, we should never get to the place where we think we do understand everything about everything, right? We should always remain humble and open to uh, uh, learning more. So, uh, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Next verse, please. So, Matthew, Mark chapter um, 6. Let me just open it up here quickly. Um, Mark chapter 7. Yeah. Okay, so, Mark chapter 7, verse 6 to 8, from the Passion, says, Jesus replied, you are frauds and hypocrites. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. How accurately did Isaiah prophesy about you phonies when he said, These people honor me with their, mouth, with their words while their hearts run far from, away from me. Their worship uh, uh, is nothing more than a charade. For they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to the instructions of God. You abandon God's commandments just to keep men's rituals, such as ceremonial washing, utensils, cups, and other things. That uh, verse, as I was reading it uh, in preparation, really blessed me. Because so often we're holding on to a tradition or we're holding on to something that we learned from other people, right? We learn from, but it's not in the Word. Or it's a misunderstanding of the Word. And so what I wanted to bring out with this is that truth is what sets us free. Never a ritual. Never a a, a tradition. And yet you go to a lot of churches and there's man-made traditions. Traditions aren't necessarily wrong or evil. 
We've got traditions in our family. You've got traditions in your culture and your, your, your um, uh, context. But here's the thing. It, it's wrong if we're trying to use that to uh, uh, get closer to God. Because you can't get closer to God through a ritual or through, 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 through a tradition of men. It might help you realize something, but it cannot give you the power. What gives us the power is faith. It's knowledge in, in the Word and the truth. So we've got to start taking uh, 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 lies that we believe or even traditions that we hold on to and then learning to walk in freedom. Learning to let those go and embrace the truth of the word. Mark 7 verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like these do ye. So I mean the point there is, is that we're sometimes holding on to traditions which are contrary to the word. And if that's the case, it's only going to cause bondage in our lives. It's never going to cause freedom. And sometimes we, we, we desire, we know what, like you look at Jesus and, and you're like, wow, Jesus is awesome. Amen? You're like, wow, Jesus is great. But then you look at this and you're like, uh, I desire to grow and become more like Jesus in my actions and my thought life and all of this. But what happens? You, you, you're not there because you're trying to do it through rituals or through traditions. Or we've got these hoops that we set up. Whereas... You know, the instruction from Jesus in, um, uh, what's it, Matthew chapter 11, at the end there, is, Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden or heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So what we're called into in salvation is a relationship. What we're called into in salvation isn't something to do, it's something to receive. It's something to enjoy. It's freedom. Amen? Amen. And here's the thing, like we, 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 we focused in on, on two aspects so far with regard to, um, what do you call it, uh, the truth about you, with regard to our identity in Christ. And uh, last time uh, before Jesus' church came, we focused in on you are complete in Christ. And I was very tempted to keep going there because there's so much in there. So that was before Easter. We looked at you are complete in Christ. And here's the thought. If you're complete in Christ then uh, 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 what do you have to do to become complete? And it's kind of a trick question because you're complete. But most of us feel incomplete. Most of us feel incomplete or we feel broken. As Christians, we feel broken. And I mean, it's kind of like, how can you feel broken if Jesus, you're one with Jesus? How can you feel incomplete if you're one with Jesus? Um, a verse that's not up there, but if you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And let's look at this verse here. It's funny, all the technology seems to be trying to fail us this evening. It's getting darker and darker and I'm trying to make it lighter. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am the light. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 in the King James says, And you has he quickened, which means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You has he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So this is talking about B.C. and A.D. Before Christ and after your death. Okay? <laughs> so this is talking about like before Christ, it's, 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 it's describing you. How does it describe you? 
You were dead. How were you dead? In transgressions and sin. Okay? So because of sin, because of, of wrongdoing on Adam's part now that you've inherited and because of uh, 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 all of that, now you're dead. Okay? But then it says, you has he quickened or made alive. And in context, it's talking about salvation. How we received salvation and now we're alive. We're no longer dead. Spiritually speaking. If you've ever seen a corpse of an animal or a person, you, you know what death looks like. Okay? You, 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 there, there's no life, obviously. And if you've, you, you, you've, you've touched a corpse or you've touched a, a, a dead animal or something, you, you realize that it couldn't fight back. There's nothing that it could do to you. There's nothing that it could do to you. Like you could insult it and it couldn't insult you back or hit you back or something. I mean, imagine someone coming back from the grave just to hit you back because you're insulting him. It doesn't work like that, right? It, it, you can spit on him or her and it do, won't do anything. You can try and chase the dog. The, do, the dead dog's just going to stay there. Point being is there's a difference between death and life. And when we receive Christ, the Bible shows us that we trans, we're transferred from death to life. We're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and life. And we've got to see that it was a major thing that happened to us at salvation. That now we've been completely set free from death. We will die, but we won't die for, be dead forever. Amen? So we've been set free from, from, from death. Okay? So we have been set free. Now we're alive in Christ. Yeah, the, the Bible says God is love. And what, what, one, uh, uh, I should have put this verse in there, but 1 John chapter 5, talking about our new life in Christ and, and, uh, and all of that. But 1 John chapter 5, it says in, in, in verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Okay, now we're talking about our, the new you, the, the, the Christian life, or who you are in Christ, now that you're a believer. Because a lot of Christians think of Christianity as churchianity. We think of it as in, in, in like something that we have to do or go to or practice. Christianity isn't something to practice. It's a life. It's not a, it's not a lifestyle, it's life. God Himself comes to dwell in you now, live in you. You become one with Him, and you live your life now from that oneness with Him. That's salvation. Okay, that's salvation. This verse is saying, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is born of God. So what this is saying is that if you, you, if you don't believe, you're not born of God. So there's a distinction again between death and and life between a Christian and a non-Christian. There's a big difference. Okay? And um, how do we be, be born of God? It's through believing. It's not through doing. So this takes the pressure off us completely in terms of how we live our Christian life, uh, etc. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God. So let's, let's look at this. We, we talk about identity, right? So... I've said this before, but we need repeat. It needs repeating. 
A dog gives birth to a dog. An animal will give birth to a Let me take it down to your level. <laughs> or up to your level. You know, a chicken gives birth to a Well done. It doesn't give birth, it lays an egg. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is like everything produces after its own kind. Okay? Uh, so, so we've got to start to see ourselves for who we really are. We're not just trying to live for God. We've become His children. Now we've got His DNA. We've been born of God, which means we're not God, but we're like God. I am not my father or my mother, but I am like them. So it's like I'm not God, but I'm like Him now that I'm born of Him. Which means I've got His DNA, which means... I should start to act like him a little bit. Amen? So, 1 John 4 verse 16 says God is love. Okay, so if we believe that God is love, then we must believe that when we were born of God, we were born of love. Which shows that that should be the, mar the marking, char distinguishing characteristic of every believer. That we start to be love. People start to experience love. And there's, there's different kinds of love, right? I'm going to boil it down to two kinds of love. There's world's, the world's kind of love and there's God's kind of love. And we're talking about God's kind of love. Which is perfect. Because we've all given love and experienced love which is imperfect. You know... Uh, I've, I've sat with a, a lot of people in counseling situations and things like that, and they would say things like, I know my father or my mother loved me even though they beat me. And it's like, well, that's a bit twisted, but at the same time, you know that they loved you, but they maybe were struggling with something, and as a result, they were doing something they shouldn't have done and was causing pain, but that's not pure love, though. Because the, the, you can, there's lots of things in there that you have to kind of get into and you can see. But it's not God's kind of love. Because God doesn't have a bad day. And all of a sudden go like, Etin just, he's just standing in the way of my anger. And uh, all of a sudden it's like, Etin's just going along and, like, you know. He's like, what happened? It's like, God got angry. You never hear a testimony of that. You hear people trying to make testimonies of that. <laughs> and it's just deception. God doesn't do that ever. If we're born of love, then we should start to look like love, live like love. What did Jesus say of his disciples? I love this. He said, by this you will know that uh, shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. So we become love and we start to love and then people start to look at us and go, wow, you seem to be a bit like God. Well, there's something supernatural about you. Think about it. Okay, the Bible says God is love. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that God does love. It says that He is love. We, we tend to look at love as a, a verb. As a doing word. Right? So, like, what does love look like? You know? And we will talk about the action of love. Because we think of it as a verb, a doing word. Now, I was corrected on that thought years back. It was probably about 2012 or 13. Marna gave a wonderful message when we were still in Stellenbosch. 
And it was on love is a noun. Think about it. God is love, so love is a noun. It's, it's, a, it's a, a person. It's not a verb. Yes, God loves and the action of love, but that's the fruit of who He is. The fruit of who God is is that He loves, like love in action. So the verb is actually just the result of the noun. Okay, to make it into an um, English lesson. The point is, is that we're not wanting God to love us. God cannot not love. Because He is love. That's the point. Love is a noun. It's who He is. It's His essence. If you take away love from God, you don't have God. Every time you come... Let's talk about a, a, a cold room. What do you call those things? Like the big fridges. Deep freezer. Walk-in. Walk-in freezer. Okay, the essence of a walk-in freezer is it's cold. You take away the cold and it's not a freezer, it's a walk-in. <laughs> okay? But every time you come into contact with a walk-in freezer that works, you experience cold. So every time you come into contact with God, who is love, you'll experience love. You won't experience anything else. You'll only ever experience love. Another verse, I think it's Psalm 34 verse 10 or 8, it says that God, uh, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay? Yeah, God is good. God is love. That, those are the two verses we've looked at now. Is, replace it with an equal sign. To take our English lesson to a math lesson. Okay? And if something is equal to something, what does that mean? It's the same thing. So God is the same thing as love. God is the same thing as goodness. Whenever you come into contact with God, you'll never not come into contact with good and love. And this is the foundation of a healthy relationship with Him. This is the foundation of enjoying our Christian life. Is knowing that He's love and He's good. Another verse that I don't have up there says that God is faithful. So you cannot come into contact with God or you'll never know God not to be faithful. You'll never know God not to be loved. You'll never know God not to be good. You'll only ever experience those things. And religion then takes that and twists it a little bit and says, but it's His definition of good, not our definition of good. And, you know, I've, I've heard people say things like that then. You know what? Like, like I've... I've, I've argued with other Christians that would be like, the, the, the sickness that God put in my life was because He's good and He has a purpose in it. And that's just completely twisted. That's not God. How do we know that? Well, firstly, uh, Hebrews says that, that Jesus is the express image or the exact replica of God. If you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. So if you've seen Jesus do something, you know that God would do it. And if you don't see Jesus doing something, you, you know God wouldn't do it. So you, when, whenever Jesus comes into contact with sickness, what does He do? He heals it. Whenever Jesus comes into contact with someone, does He ever say, no, 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 no. no. I'm not going to heal you now because this is for my glory. I'm working something in your life. 
I've, I've heard many religious people say that. But I've never heard or read that in the Bible. I've never heard of Jesus going up to someone saying, Ben, you've got a big calling on your life, Ben. And I just want to work something strong in your character so the next time you go to CrossFit, you're going to pop your shoulder and it's going to cost you a lot of money and it's going to be very painful. But my goodness, you're going to come out tops. I've never seen that in the Bible. Have you ever seen that? Where Jesus goes, oh, I'm going to put cancer on you. I'm going to put, what, what, what do you want? Come on, catch it. You know, I've never seen that. But we talk, like in religious circles, we talk about that. But if you look through the Bible, you'll never see it. You look at the life of Jesus, you'll never see that. Okay? People then want to bring up Moses and the Egyptians and whatever. Look at Jesus. <laughs> Did Jesus ever do it? No. So God won't, won't do it. That helps you interpret Exodus then. You look at Jesus and you can interpret Exodus. Anyway, that's another story. The point is, is that if we, God's definition of love is good. God's definition of good is not bad. Okay, so we can't expect, like, uh, 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 if, if, you, if, you, if you twist it and you go like, well, maybe this tragedy in my life is something good. No, it's not. As soon as you accept a tragedy or a sickness as from God, you know what you're doing? You're submitting to it. And if you submit to it, you can't get free from it. You can't break free from something you've submitted to. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How, now let's take sickness as an example. Okay? If you believe that sickness is from God, you should never resist it. Never, never, ever, 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 ever resist it. Let me just pause there and say healing and sickness is not anywhere near my notes tonight. So this is for someone specific that's struggling with this probably, whether they're online or here. But the point is, push play. We, we, you, 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 um, uh, what was I going with that? Sickness. But before that. <laughs> James 4 verse 7. If you submit to it, you cannot resist it. Otherwise it's schizophrenia. You can't submit and resist something. It, 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 you either submit it to God, which is love and good and faithfulness and healing. His nature is to heal. Okay? You don't see Adam and Eve before the fall with sickness. So sickness was never God's plan. Never His desire. Never His will. You, never, you only ever see His nature expressed in Jesus in the form of healing. But now, if you believe that sickness is from God, you have to submit to it. How do you submit to it? Well, you don't pray for healing. You don't take your medicine. And you let that sickness run its full course. So that God can get His maximum glory. Hallelujah. Because now, like, if I take a panada because I have a headache, I'm fighting against God. If it's from God. If, if, if I believe that God kind of somehow allowed cancer, then, some, yeah, then, then I've got to submit to it. Then I've, I've got to say, okay, God, take the full course, let your glory... Whatever, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm not going to take a pain pill. I'm just going to live in torment and, and trust that when you're ready to take it off of me, you'll take it off of me. God doesn't work like that. It's foolishness. 
So if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. And how do we define what is good? Look at the life of Jesus and what he did and didn't do. And then you can define what is good. Okay? 1 John 4, verse 17 to 18. Uh, what I like is, uh, someone actually sent this to me this morning or yesterday. They said that, that You've probably seen this meme, and if you haven't, then you should. It's uh, got a picture of Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. And it says, uh, next time someone asks, what would Jesus do? Remember that he turned over tables and you know, made a whip, and had a whip in the, in the temple. And what was he doing in that situation? He was rebuking the people making money off of religion. Off of the, 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 the temple. The people who were fleecing the people. So it's, it's quite appropriate to rebuke that. I like that. Because I've been doing that for a while now. <laughs> it's quite appropriate. Jesus would do it, so should, we should too. Anyway. 1 John 4 verse 17 to 18. It's on the, the screen there. 1 John 4 verse 17 to 18. So verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Now we're going to go back to verse 17. Okay. We love him because he first loved us. So our first call is not to love God, but to let him love us. We sing, I love you, Lord. And that's awesome. And we should express that intimacy. But it, it flows from a place of receiving his love. The only reason you ever love him is because he first loved you. Okay. But then going back up to 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So, first thing I want, I want us to see there is that... Um, We can have boldness in the day of judgment. Okay? So one day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you should have boldness. You should have confidence. That's obviously once you're dead. Okay? You should have boldness and confidence to say, you know, like to, to expect to welcome her, my son. I welcome her, my daughter. You should have a boldness and confidence. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. You know your identity. You know your identity. Love has been made perfect, and now you have boldness. So how do we have boldness in the judgments that we face, often in this world even? Not from God, but just from life. What am I talking about? Everything starts going wrong in your life. Okay? All of a sudden, like, I don't know, the car breaks, someone puts water in the petrol tank. <laughs> Whatever happens in your life, all these things start to happen. Okay, like the, 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 you go to the doctor um, and you're sick. That's already bad enough, but then medical aid doesn't want to cover it. Or whatever your, your problem is. And you, what, what is the common thing that uh, most people would say, but especially Christians? What have I done to deserve this? Or, uh, 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 God, why me? As if God was the one dishing these things out. Like he's got a deck of cards. And each card is a different problem. And he's like, sorry, I've got to give these out today. Oh, you got the joker, you're safe. You, know? you, you got retrenchment, sorry. You know, you, you got, yeah, that's ridiculous. We, we kind of have this mental default image or background image of God, but that's not how we operate. Bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. Yeah, we, 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 
the, 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 the geezer or the water boiler, the thing that makes your water hot, it bursts. And you're like, why God? I can tell you why. Because it was created by a man, so it's not perfect. And it's not going to last. It wasn't created to last. It has a lifespan. God wasn't waiting for you to have a bad day to make it worse by saying, geezer's going to burst today. The devil didn't even burst your geezer. The devil didn't even make your car stop. He can't do that. But he will use that to make you happy. No. <laughs> Being sarcastic there. He'll, he'll use it to, to really like uh, try and grate your carrot. And try and, and make you upset. But here's the thing. In our day of judgment when everything's going wrong, we should have boldness to say, I don't deserve this. Even if you, you look at your life and you're going, wow, I've been a pretty mean person. Yo, Christians don't believe in karma. In case you do, repent, change your mind. We don't believe in karma. What is that? That you get what you deserve. We believe in grace, which is, I get what I don't deserve. And I don't get what I do deserve. That, that's what Christianity is about. It's, he took everything negative that I deserve, and I get everything positive that He deserves. So, grace is I get treated better than I deserve, and mercy is I don't get treated as I deserve. That's Christianity, not that what comes around goes around. We don't believe in that. Okay? There's a place for sowing and reaping in a sense of, you know, you're nasty to someone, and so then if they're nasty back to you, you should have expected that. Because uh, 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 that's just kind of like the law of relationships and life. You, know, you do something wrong, there might be negative repercussions, but never with God. Why? Because your debt's been paid. That's grace. Your debt's been paid. You, he can never treat you as you deserve. Think about that. This is something that we have to be established in if we want to walk in freedom. I will never get what I deserve in the negative or the positive. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it shouldn't make us passive. But, it, you know, there's rewards and things one day when we die. But what I'm saying is in this life, God's not going to bless you extra special because you gave more. God's not going to bless you extra special because you, you, you're trying your best to live holy. Living holy will bless you. Living holy will change your life. It'll, it'll really be good. And, and being generous towards other people will also bless your heart. It blesses God's heart. But it, the, the blessing is extended to each and every single one of us exactly the same. And how do we access, access that blessing? How do we access uh, the goodness of God, the love of God? Faith. That's all. It's not our actions. It's nothing that we can do. It's purely just, just, just believe it. Look at Mark chapter 1 with me here. And there's something here that we need to kind of unlock here a little bit. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Jesus speaking. And he says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So, repent, we often think of as we need to change our actions. We need to change our direction. Okay? Repentance is not changing your actions or changing your direction. 
That's what religion would teach you. But Christianity and the Bible teaches us that repentance, if you look at the Greek word, is a change of mind, which leads to a change of action. So often in our lives, what are we doing? We're trying to deal with the fruit of things. We've become very good uh, 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 fruit um, uh, managers. You know, we don't like this anger in my life, so I suppress it and I've managed it. Whereas there's a root for that and I need to deal with that root. You, know, you, you, you have a different fruit that you don't like in your life, so you kind of suppress it or you change your environment so that you don't have to live like that. So you don't have to experience that. That's not freedom. Freedom is now then looking rather at the roots and going, you know what, I've died, so I don't have that root in my life. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It's not me who lives. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So what we've got to see is that I am dead. You've got a problem in your life. It's probably because you haven't died. Or you're holding on to the person who did die if you did truly get born again. The answer for your life is realizing how dead you are to sin and to your life. And how alive you are to God and in Christ. And when we realize that, when that's a change of mind. That's true repentance. It causes us to walk in freedom. So Jesus is saying here, repent ye and believe the gospel. So he's, he's saying, change your mind. Stop believing the, 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 the negative things, the bad things that you've believed. And now believe the gospel. So... In your life, if there's something that you're wanting to change, if there's something which isn't great, what do you do? You repent and you believe the gospel. Believe the good news about what He's done for you and freely offers you. Believe the good news about what your, your new identity in Christ. So you've got a problem, what you do is you don't try and just deal with the action. What you need to do is get to the root of that. And go, you know what, the root of any like a sin would probably be that you think that you're a sinner. That you think that you still, you, you, the reason why you're struggling with X, Y, and Z is because you're a sinner. No, it's not. It's because you believe you're a sinner. That's why you're struggling with stuff. It's not that you are a sinner. Because if you got born again, you were a sinner. You got saved by grace and now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that He became sin for you so that you could be made or become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Which means you're 100% right because of faith in Christ, not because of action. If you believe that, you can start to change the fruit. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You can't have confidence unless you're grounded and rooted in truth or in love. So you're, you're not going to live. This is a good way to put it. You will never live above your revelation. You will never live above the revelation, your revelation of God, your revelation of yourself. And so that's why you've got to come to know who God is more and more and more. And you've got to come to see who He's made you because of salvation. Okay? John chapter 3 verse 16 to 18. Focusing it on the love of God now. Okay? This is how much God loved the world. That He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. So the reason why Jesus came was love. It was, he was motivated by love. He wasn't like, wow, these guys are irritating me. 
They, they, they're really just on my case to save them and rescue them. Let me, let me come. You know, he, he, he had compassion on the world. He loved us before we loved Him. And so He reached out to us before we ever reached out to Him. Okay? Verse 17. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Verse 17 is a, is, is, would mess up a lot of churches if they started saying it more and more. Why? Because they would realize that they're not like Jesus. Why? Because there's a lot of Christians who are just going around condemning people. Condemning them for a lot. Oh, you, you can't believe you live like that. Oh, wow. Do you still, you still watch TV? Or I don't know what people condemn people for. I don't engage in circles like that. So whatever people condemn you for, like, think about it. <laughs> and they're like, on your case because of this and because of that. And you know what? You don't fast enough like I do. Or whatever the case is. You know, it, this says that God didn't send Jesus to judge the world or condemn the world, another translation says, but to save the world. So if he came to save the world, then we've got to pause and think, okay, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So Jesus has sent every single one of us as Christians into the world to save the world, not to judge or condemn the world. And yet what do we find a lot of Christians doing? Condemning the world, not trying to help. They're part of the problem. Yeah, if we, if we, let's read verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. So if you've believed in Jesus, you should never fear judgment or judgment day. There should never be fear in your heart about, I'm going to get to heaven and He's going to whip out the library of videos of my life. That's not in the Bible. Some people have taught that, but it's not in the Bible. There's no video screens in heaven with uh, the story of your life for everyone to watch. And now you have to, they pause it and go, Lucas, why were you thinking that? That's what I kind of thought, you know. Lucas, why did you do that? No one was watching, but we're all watching now. You know, that's not going to happen. He's forgiven completely. He's, he, 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 you're now, as He is, so are you in this world. That's what, if you're convinced of your identity in Christ, that you're His son, that you're His daughter, what's going to happen? You'll have confidence for the day of judgment because you've already passed uh, uh, the, uh, uh, judgment. So judgment is only for those who don't believe. Okay, Romans chapter four, 2 verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? The New Living Translation puts it like this. Don't you know how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? What happens when, we, when someone, because we're never in sin. So let's think about the people that we interact with who are in sin. And we're wanting to help them stop their sin. You know what we often do? You shouldn't do that because, then we give them all the reasons of why it's bad. The natural reasons. We might add some spiritual reasons there too. But we kind of focus on all these negative things, right? 
We focus on all of these things. But what does God focus on in order to change our hearts and change our lives? He focuses in on loving us. Because if love, if we can, He knows that if love can impact our hearts, then it can change our lives completely. Whenever we're unchanged, it's just because we haven't allowed the gospel uh, and the message of His love and His love itself to impact us. Whenever we're unchanged, it's because His love hasn't gotten to that place. Not His fault, our fault. We haven't sat and been like allowing this love to transform us. Allowing this love to change us and so that we become love and start to live in love. Go down to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19 from the King James. It says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, and I want to pause there and say, the way that we experience stability in our lives is when we're rooted and grounded in His love. Not in our love for Him, but in His love for us. There's a lot of Christians who take great pride in, I love God. But we should take great pride, is not the right uh, description, but we should be more celebrating and rejoicing in the fact that He loves me. Okay? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So, being filled with all the fullness of God, being, you're exper experiencing all that God has for us, and Christianity has for us, starts in His love. Starts in being rooted and grounded in His love. And then there's height, there's depth, there's breadth. There's, there's many different dimensions to His love. It's not just a book that you read and you know it now. It's an experience of relationship which we grow in. You know, if I look at how I know my wife 12 years after marriage and how I knew my wife just before marriage or a, a, a month after marriage, there's a vast difference. You know, we, we, we know each other much better now than we did 12 years ago. We grow in relationship. Christianity is not just a, a lifestyle of trying to live for God and follow God. Christianity is a relationship of love. And when we're rooted and grounded in that love, what happens is it transforms us, but it helps us to grow in relationship and in our expression of that. It changes everything. The Passion puts Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. Ephesians 3, verse 18, it says, Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great multitude, magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How endure, um, enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond a measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to the overflowing with the fullness of God. If you don't feel full right now in your relationship with God in Christianity, it's because there's a deficiency of experiencing and receiving His love. Why? Because God loves you exactly the same way that He loves me 
and everybody else in this room. But we all receive it and experience it differently. And so, you know, what I'm trying to encourage us with, with this message is like part of our freedom journey and living the abundant life is, is in the identity of I am loved by God. I'm secure in His love. He's not going to stop loving me because I'm His child. He can't forsake me. He said He would never forsake me. So if we get to that place of being rooted and grounded in His love, and uh, 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 then we can become secure and experience a fruitful Christian life. <coughs> There's another verse I want to finish off with here. Um, yeah, it, it, it's also kind of got to do with faithfulness. So if we go to John chapter 13. Yeah, because often we, what we're trying to do is impress God. Right? We're trying to get God's attention. Like, why else would you fast? <laughs> You're trying to get God's attention. Why else would you... you, you, you some people give, do, those, do these things with the right motivation, the right heart. But a lot of people just give finances because they're trying to get God's attention. A lot of people go to church because, not you guys, but they, they're trying to get God's attention. God, I went to church this week. I'm expecting a good week. Thank you that, this is going to, that my week has to be blessed now because... I put you first. You know, it, you didn't put God first by coming here. You put God first by coming here and then receiving something and then applying it as you go out in the week. Living it out and experiencing it. and Allowing it to transform and change you. Okay? So, we're not trying to get God's attention with our lives or with our faith. Okay? This is something that you've got to understand. You're not trying to get God's attention with faith, or with your good works, or with anything. God is trying to get your attention, so that you would believe. Okay? For God so loved the world, that means the world had His attention, that He gave Jesus. Why? So that whosoever believes would not perish, but have everlasting life. So that whosoever believes, so that the world would give Him attention. So God was looking for our attention. He wasn't waiting for us to try and get His attention. In the mess that you might have in your life, if you have a mess, if you don't have a mess, in the nice life that you have, in your life, we often feel like, wow, I really just need to get God's attention. We don't say it like that, but it's like, there's something, I've got to do something for things to change. And you do need to do something. But it's often not what we think it is. Because the things going wrong in your life aren't punishment from God. The things going wrong in your life might be because you, you did some piece of stupid. Or life happens. We live in a fallen world and things go wrong. There's evil people who do evil things. There's people who don't like you. I don't know what, but there's things that happen because things happen, right? You try and lift a weight that's heavier than you can. <laughs> or whatever the case is you know like uh, 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 the point is is like none of that is punishment from God so it should give us the peace to know that when things go wrong I can run to God because he loves me he's the answer he's not the cause if you think God's the cause of your problems how can you go to him for help yeah because that's not going to work so well so look at this John chapter 13 
Yeah, verse 35 is what I was talking about earlier. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. How do we, we, we have love, it's, it's we become love by being born again, and then we should express that love. Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And then Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. So we often get like this in our faith, right? In our, our walk with the Lord. It's like uh, 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 we, we overcommit and underdeliver. <laughs> we do this with people and relationships. Yeah, I always try and, what's it, underpromise and overdeliver with everything. I don't always get it right, but that's a better practice. Here, Simon Peter is blowing his mouth off and going, uh, 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 I'm going to die for you, Jesus. I want to come with you. I, I, my life is all for you. We sing like that. But very few people actually live like that. And it's not condemnation. Look at this. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him and said, and I always kind of picture Jesus chuckling, kind of. Will you really lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, the rooster shall not crow till you've denied me three times. He's like, are you really going to do that? I tried this once with someone. It didn't go down so well. Kind of a different situation. But they were like, oh, you know, they, they were just flowing in, in love and, and, and just like uh, excited. And so they were just shooting their mouths off, going for it. Like, one day I'm going to buy you a car. I was like, are you really going to do that? Like, you, 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 you don't really even give now. It's like, think about it. Put it into perspective. Like, you... you <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I should have just said, oh, your heart's awesome. So I mean, we live and learn. But the point is, it's like Jesus turns around to him. I was just being like Jesus. And he says, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. Now imagine, he's just had a revelation of you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He knows who Jesus is. And Jesus, the Lord of all creation, the son of God, the Messiah, the promised one, turns around to him and says, listen, you're going to deny me three times before the morning starts. How would you feel if you were in his shoes? You know, Judas hasn't hung himself yet by now. But if you got into a pity party, you might have beat Judas to the, the hanging rope. Because it's like Jesus, the Messiah. You know he's the Messiah, the Son of God. And he's saying, you're going to reject me. You're going to betray me. You're going to, you're going to deny me. Like that, that's pretty intense, don't you think? How would you feel? Think about it. The beautiful thing about chapter 13 is it goes into 14. And so we must read it like that. It says, Will you really lay down your life for my sake? Truly, truly, I say unto you, The rooster shall not crow until you've denied me three times, but let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So he's saying, you're going to deny me. But don't let your heart be troubled. Don't worry about that. Because you're still in my plan. I'm going to prepare a place for you. We're going to be together forever. So don't worry about denying me when you deny me. That's probably why he didn't hang himself. Because Jesus had encouraged him that, hey... 
You're forgiven. I accept you. You're secure in my love. Don't boast about how much you love me and how faithful you're going to be. Boast about my love for you and how faithful I am to you. And that's how we should be as well. Amen? Amen. It's so important that we, we know this and that this is a foundation in our lives because if it's not, we kind of get into this thing of continuously trying to please God, trying to get closer to God. One more verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 13. If we believe not, he will abide forever because he cannot deny himself. The Passion puts it like this. If we are faithless, he will still be full of faith. For he, will ne- he never wavers in his faithfulness to, uh, towards us. So God will not deny you because you're not performing well. Because you're secure in his love. His love has made you a new creation because you believe. And now you just need to learn to receive and believe. Believe and just receive. Not strive. Amen? So Father, I want to thank you that we are secure in your love. And that's an identity which... You want us to be established in how much you love us. That we are loved by you. And right now, I just thank you for each person that's here right now, that they would experience just your love in an increasing measure throughout this week ahead. That when things go wrong especially, they would rather than wonder where you are, they would stop and go, hey, I know God loves me. And I know he said he'll never leave me, so he's here with me in the middle of this. That's how we overcome. Thank you, Father, that you you show us how secure we are in your love, that nothing can separate us from your love. We are loved by you without any condition. No conditions apply. As we meditate on that and focus on that, I thank you that we experience the transforming power of your love, Father. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gathering. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.